Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. Amen. Thank you all for being here. It is still Advent season. I love all the Christmas and Advent music we get to sing. If you're, if you're new here or maybe you've never celebrated Advent before, that's just a great opportunity to celebrate Jesus and his birth, his coming into the world, not just on one Sunday a year, but for an entire month. So forgive us if we've kind of overdone it with the decorations and the, and the Christmas music, but we just, we just can't get enough of Jesus. So call me guilty. <laughs> and we love it. So thank you, uh, band, and, and all that's doing this. And then each week, of course, we, we light a different candle that reminds us of the different themes of Advent. Last week, we talked about the anticipation, the hope that we have. This week, we're talking about the preparation that is Advent. Oh, speaking of preparation, I forgot to turn my phone off on silent. Oh, no. That hopefully, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's going to be okay. It was protected I was prepared. Did you see what I did there? That's, obviously, this isn't my phone. I, this is my wife's phone, and it's really, really old. But <laughs> just in case, I was prepared, and so there was a case on my phone. But isn't it funny? You know, we protect the things that we're concerned about. We're prepared. We know that we drop things. We know that accidents happen. We know that life happens. And so we're smart enough to be prepared. If you don't want a a phone case, that's fine. You can pay a little extra each month and get insurance. However we choose to prepare and protect, we all do that. We get that. We know how to do that about simple things that can be bought or sold, simple inanimate objects that can be replaced if we needed to. But what what about the big things in life? What about the things that God wants to prepare in our own lives? Or even more importantly, possibly, what about the things that God is preparing outside of our lives, outside of our, of our Christian family, outside of the church? What is God preparing in the lives of our friends and our family members, our neighbors and the folks that live all around us? How are we preparing for that? I argue that that is just as important, if not more important, than how God chooses to prepare things in our own lives. So, That's the question for today. How can we be prepared? So we're going to read a story about one of the great preparers of the entire New Testament. He was the preparer of the way for Jesus. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to the book of Matthew chapter 3. You can aim your phone at the QR code. It'll pull up the sermon notes, or you can just watch the screen behind me. Let me read the text. We're in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, reading all the way to verse 6. The preparer of the way, the famous John the Baptist. Let me read it for us. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. Y'all got it? In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah thousands of years before. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts, yes, those kind of locusts, and honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and from all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. They were confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. 
This is an incredible story. This is part of the Advent story, part of the story of Jesus' birth and how he began his life here on earth. And it's a key principle and a key important point for us to understand. What does this preparation look like in your life and in mine? So we're going to pull this story apart and understand what that preparation looks like, not only in our own lives, what God wants and chooses to do in our lives, but also in the lives of those around us. Look, look again one more time at verse 3. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. Remember, Isaiah was a prophet, lived thousands of years even before John the Baptist, and he was already prophesying, talking about this guy who would come. He said, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Okay, stop right there. A voice. This is an important word. That word voice is uh, in, in, in Greek. Remember, that was the original language in the, in the New Testament. Phono or phonos, which we get our word phonograph, and it means to be a transmitter of a message. Obviously, well, I, I, I say obviously, like as if we all know what a phonograph is. Some of you remember phonographs, right? You put a record, it was made out of black vinyl, and you put, a, if it was really fancy, it was red vinyl, but that's another story. You put the vinyl on there, and, and you hit the button. My grandmother had a phonograph that you still cranked, right, right, right? So you put that, that, that record on there, and it projected, it transmitted a message. This is exactly what's going on here. It is true that in Christian uh, 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 world today, we, we think, you know, it's, it's not just about transmitting the message of the gospel. It's more about living out your faith. If I, if I just live out my faith and people see Jesus in me, then they'll be drawn to Jesus in me and they'll want to know about Jesus. And that is true. Rebecca Pippert, a, a, a writer back in the 70s and 80s, wrote a book called Out of the Salt Shaker, into the world. And it spoke specifically to that. She said, yes, we, we need to live out our faith in that living out of the gospel, the, the attractiveness of Jesus in our hearts and in our lives and how we interact in our own families, even in our Christian family, is very attractive. And that alone will draw people to the Jesus in us. Excellent. It got us past the idea that, that evangelism or, or sharing the gospel was more than just taking one of those, those old gospel tracts and leaving it on the toilet seat and, and in some rest stop for someone to find and read and find Jesus. Well, it's more than that, but it's also more than just living out our faith. Eventually, we need to come to a time when we open our mouth, the voice, you and me and John the Baptist, there's a time when we open our mouth and we become a voice projecting audibly, clearly the message. What was the message? Well, it goes all the way back to, to verse number two. It says, and saying, repent, for the kingdom of, of heaven has come near. This is a radical statement, not just at the Christmas season, but especially at Christmas time, we're thinking about warm, happy thoughts, family coming together, enjoying memories, eating good food, getting lots of presents. The last thing we want is some preacher pointing his finger in our face saying, turn or burn. And yet this is exactly the message that God's given us. Repenting, you remember what that means. It means to stop turn around in the other direction, start moving back towards God. It is not only a physical turning, but even an internal turning from, from the way you're going back to God. And it says, because the, the, the kingdom of heaven come near, there's an urgency to that. In fact, that's the very next word. It says right there, calling in the desert. That word calling means an, an urgent, not just a, hey, y'all come, not, not like a warm invitation. Hey, if you got time on Saturday, we'd love to have you. No, this is, this is an urgent screaming at the top of your lungs, 
kind of call, a sense of urgency and emotion in the calling. That's what this Greek word means. If, if you're coming in on a, on a Sunday morning and you, you miss your step and you happen to go down in the parking lot, most of us would kind of look around, make sure no one saw that. We'd get up, dust ourselves off, and make our way, hoping no one caught it. Others of us probably can't jump up quite as quickly as we used to, so we may sit there a minute until someone can maybe come by and say, hey, you might giving me a hand, I just, I just need a little help. If, on the other hand, you fall in the middle of Nicholas on a Monday morning, you're not just going to hang out until you feel like getting up. You won't just say, hey, if you got a minute, give me a hand. You're screaming bloody murder. Help! Come quick! This is that word, calling with urgency and emotion. And where are we calling? It says, out in the wilderness. That word wilderness means an isolated place. It means a lonely place. It means a place that is not built up or, or constructed or, or ordered. In fact, many times in the Bible when we encounter this, this word in the original Greek, it's actually translated chaos. And not, not like, oh, everything's going crazy and banging into each other, but the idea of chaos in that it has not yet been ordered. So what is God saying to us in this? We must have a sense of urgency with a message that he has given us to go to the places where God has not yet brought things into order. You remember we've talked about that word shalom, peace. That's that Old Testament word for peace. This is what God gives each believer, that, that, that sense that he has moved the pieces into place. Out of chaos, out of the chaos of our lives, he moved the pieces into place so that we have that peace now and even into the future, even into eternity Outside of that piece, there is still this word, chaos, wilderness. The beautiful thing about this word is this. In fact, if you take the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, almost always, almost always the big, important, major conversations between the God of the heavens and one individual, you know where they took place? In the wilderness. In, in the faraway places, in the places where order had not yet been brought, uncultivated, unpopulated, lonely places. Uh, guys like Moses, guys like Abraham, guys like Isaiah, uh, Jesus himself, uh, John, the writer of the Gospel of John, and then, of course, Paul, when, when Jesus met him on the way to Damascus. This is out-of-the-way places. This is where God loves to speak, where God loves to change people's life, where God loves to change the trajectory of someone's life. This is God's go-to conversation spot. Folks, why do you think, why do you think I, as your pastor and, and your other leaders, why do you think we keep trying to push you out of the church? I, in the very good sense of the word. <laughs> we want you to get out there into the chaos where your friends live, where your neighbors live, where your workmates live and do their thing, it is still chaos. God has not yet, not yet brought order into their world, into their family, into their relationships. And they're doing their best, and they're, they're not bad folks. But without the help of the Holy Spirit and God himself, there can be no order. There can be no shalom peace where God brings everything into order. All the stars align. The relationships are hitting on all cylinders. That happens only with God's help. And so God is calling us out to the wilderness of, of our neighborhood and the wilderness of our city and the wilderness of our world. That is where God chooses to work, and that's where he's calling you to be. This is what this call of preparation looks like. Second of all, how do we prepare? Let's look again at, at verse 3. How do we prepare for this? Verse 3 says it this way. 
A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Let's look about this. Prepare, that means to, to make ready for what is to come or make ready for who is to come, right? That's the definition of the word in English, like in Greek. There's no really big difference there. So, so God's telling us too that in the Bible, in the Greek, there's actually two words that could mean prepare. Let me start with the word that is not here. Not, this is not the word that we find here in the original. It's, it's uh, kind of scale, not important, but the point is it's, it's that fine detail kind of preparing, like the last finishing touches on a special project you've been putting together, um, the, 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 the getting something ready for the show. In fact, in just a couple of weeks, a little sidebar here, uh, the last Saturday of February, February 26th, is the date for our next car show. So you'll see the guys and gals, they'll bring their cars early, and after they get here, they've driven a whole two, maybe two and a half miles to get here. So the very first thing they do is they pull out their special rags, they have special rags, and they start polishing up their cars. That's that word, kind of scale. They're, they're putting on the finishing touches, the outside stuff, the stuff that people see, the detail work, that kind. Last well, not this work. The word that we read here, the, one, the word that God is calling us to be involved in, the ministry of preparation, means a much broader picture, a much more internal picture, preparing a meal, preparing a feast, preparing a journey, preparing for some major life change, not getting lost in all of the details, not getting lost in all the things that, that is outwardly seen that other people can judge or not judge. It's much more internal, and this is what God is calling us to do, to be involved in the ministry of preparation— what you and I and John the Baptist are called to do is be, to see the big picture and to invest internally in that. He says to make straight. Making is a very active word in the Greek as in English. It means to be actively involved, to, to work at something, sweat and, and, and blood and, and energy investment, to be fully engaged, not passively sitting back and say, well, I... I sure hope that, that God makes a way straight for, for my neighbors to come to church one day. I really hope God makes a path straight for other folks to know the same joy and, and peace and, and release that I have. And I just hope maybe someday someone with the right words can go talk to them and, and make all that possible. No, it's a very active jumping in kind of a word. Next Sunday, right after service, we're going to have uh, what we traditionally have at church every year. At the end of the year, uh, a business meeting. I, I, I can't wait to change the name of those things. It's, for our church, it has been, for quite some time, much more of a celebration meeting where we, we get together and sure there are things to decide and we take votes and we count votes. I mean, that's all a part of it and we should do that because you know, we all want to be involved in the decisions of our church family. That's fine. But we get to celebrate what God has been doing up to this point up to this point, and, and we get to celebrate the incredible dreams that we have for the future, what we believe God is leading us into in 2022 and beyond. This coming week, this Sunday, is no exception. In fact, I think it might be the greatest celebration ever. This has been an incredible year. Right in the middle of this whole COVID mess, God has been blessed blessing incredibly. I can't wait to share some of the numbers and statistics. Not, not that that really means anything, but matters to people. But behind these numbers are people, our families. Lives change, not just for today and tomorrow, but for all eternity. And you are a part of that. That is how you are making, engaging, fully engaged, working at, investing in, making the path straight. 
It's an old picture that you would have back in Isaiah's day when one king would go visit another kingdom. He didn't have time to wait around for rivers and, and lakes and, and oceans. He didn't have time to climb mountains or, or go down into valleys. Kings didn't sweat. So they would send out a whole entourage ahead of them, preparing the way. They'd chop down trees and bushes and shrubs. They'd, they'd fill in big potholes. They'd make sure a boat was waiting for the king when he gets to the shore to take him straight away to the other side. It was all a big production because the king couldn't wait. He was so important. Well, this is the picture that Isaiah is throwing out there. You and I get to be involved in the ministry of preparing, making straight, making simple the path from Jesus into the hearts of you and into the hearts of your friends and your family and your neighbors. Now, that doesn't mean making it easy. We're not lowering the bar on the gospel. We're not cheapening the gospel, watering down the gospel message, but we're making it simple from point A to point B. Let me give you some examples. The, the, the word for path in, in Greek is the word tribute. We in English get our word tributary. Tributaries, you know what those are? Those are those finger rivers. You got, you got the big mighty Mississippi, you know, with so much water, so much force, it flows pretty much anywhere it wants to. There's, there's so much power there, it goes straight. But off of that, either flowing into it or flowing out of it, are tributary rivers, and they, they kind of run where they can. They don't have as much force. They, they kind of make ruts, make holes, and kind of meander as they go. God is saying we're to smooth those out, straighten those out, to make it as easy as possible for people to find Jesus and Jesus to find them. Let's talk about some of the ruts that we get into. When we lived in the Caribbean, we lived on the side of a mountain, and most of the folks that we would minister to lived further up that mountain. It was, it was a little bitty island in the middle of the Caribbean Sea, and it was just one big mountain. And the folks just pretty much lived all the way around it, and depending on how far up you lived is how, how far you had to, to carry the water from the bottom where the water was up to your little village. And so, so there weren't big roads going straight up the mountain. Really, we call them goat paths because that's how they started. They kept goats on our islands. So the goats would kind of meander up, and the goats would meander down little bitty skinny paths, pretty much the, the path of least resistance. The, the goats knew how to get there. The, the owners of the little, the little shack or cabin way at the top, they knew how to get there, but, but strangers couldn't find them. A lot of times, that's what our churches look like. Of course, I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about other churches. <laughs> but sometimes, our churches have goat paths out front, and we know the way because we go all the time. We can get to here with our eyes closed. We know the lingo. We know the times. We don't need signs on the doors, signs that we don't need anyone to help us sit down or stand up. We know how the service starts. We know how the service ends. We know how to get the coffee. We know where the bathrooms are. We have our own little language, our own little world, our own little culture that we understand, but people outside don't. And we are the goat path churches. And God's saying, make that straight so that everyone can come in. There's other uh, paths and other ruts. We get into the, the busyness rut. How many of you are in the busyness rut? There's, there's no time for anything. You're running from one thing to the next, and then Christmas season comes. It gets even harder. You get into that get-or-done mode, and everything is just one more thing you check off your list. Even Sunday morning church is just one more event you got to check off in your list so you get everything done. Remember how we challenged each other a few months ago? We said, hey, from now on, no more drive-throughs. 
No more ATMs. Remember what we said? We said, because the ATM machine can't accept Jesus. We're only going to be involved in in interactions with real people, (laughs) giving us the opportunity to build relationships, have conversations, hopefully one day in prayer to invite that person to know Jesus or to visit our church. We slip into this get-or-done mode, and we forget how important it is to relate to real people with real problems. And it takes so much time and so much energy. It slows us down. And we might not get to those last three things on our checkoff list for that day. But that's what God is calling us to do. It is work to make straight the path. We might get in the rut of buying into the whole cultural divide that is going on in our country. That there's you know, this group and, and that group. And if you're in my group, I will relate to you and we will talk and we'll, we'll, we'll do life together. If you're not in my group, I'm cutting you out. I'm cutting you off. I'm, I'm canceling you. And there's, there's us and there's this. Then maybe you're in that rut or maybe you're in the rut of the chasing of the American dream. You know, you, you got the house, you got the yard, you got the 2.5 kids. You know, and uh, you'll get to God when you retire. It's, at least let me, let me get the kids out of the house, and then, Lord, I'm all yours. And then you got a little bit more, and then, God, let me get retired, and then, then I'm all yours. And then we've got a whole group of folks here in this church and other churches where I'm only six months here. Let me, when I get here full time, then I'm all yours. I've got two words to contradict that last one. Ted and Carolyn. <laughs> These two, they're only here half the time. But I'm getting texts, I'm getting emails, I'm getting phone calls from them weeks ahead of time. Hey, pastor, can we help this? Can we do that? Can we be involved here? And I know the same is true as we're getting ready to head back to Pennsylvania. They're texting their pastor back there, I'm sure. Hey, pastor, we're heading back. Can we help here? Can we be involved here? Where do you need us? That's just the kind of people there. We have so many uh, folks like Ted and Karen, but, but that's the point that we need to get out of those ruts and make those ruts smooth. Not only in our own world, in the church world, where we have our reds outside of the church, we have folks that have all kind of potholes that need to be straightened over. These are the bumps and the bruises that they've developed over the years, the, 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 the pounding that they've taken from life, the pounding that they've taken from family, the pounding they've taken from church or religion. They're getting beaten up by the world, and they're bruised, and these potholes. If these wounds are deep, if these wounds are left unhealed, they will never find Jesus. We are involved in the smoothing out, the straightening of those potholes in their life. One of Chanel's sisters, Karen, is, a, is, a, is here at our church with her husband, John. Yeah, right there. And you, you've met her. She's, she shared a little bit about her ministry. She's a nurse. And she has the opportunity many times during the year to serve with Samaritan's Purse as a nurse. And she doesn't go to some of these places that you've maybe been on vacation. She goes to the places none of us want to go. We, in fact, when the pictures of these places show up on the news, some of us will even turn our eyes away because we don't ever want to see the faces and the pictures, much less go there and be a part of it. She served in Haiti after the hurricane, in New York City during the whole COVID epidemic right there in that hospital in Central Park. She's been in Iraq during the war. And as she's a part of bringing physical, but also emotional, even spiritual healing to the folks that come into the clinic where she and the others are serving. She gets to see what it looks like when God heals those bruises. I'm talking about physical, broken uh, potholes in their life. Of course, physical, but even spiritual and emotional. She's hooked. 
She's hooked. She can't stop doing it. Folks, you and I, we are involved in that same ministry. If you are involved in a ministry of preparation, it is our job to make these paths straight, to help God smooth over, of course, physical brokenness, but even spiritual and emotional brokenness so that God can flow into their lives and change their lives for all eternity. That is our ministry if you are involved in the ministry of preparation. And then finally, what would, this, what would this whole ministry of preparation look like? Let's say, okay, pastor, you, you've convinced me it was not just something John the Baptist did 2,000 years ago, but God is indeed calling you and me to be a part of this ministry. What would it look like? Look at verse 4 and 5 and 6. So, here's what you wear. John's clothes were made of camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. Oh, and here's the best part. His food was locust and wild honey. This might be a good point to mention. We have yummy snacks today right after church. (laughs) Verse 5. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Okay, what is going on here? If if we're talking about, okay, you, you convinced me, Pastor. I need to be involved in the ministry of preparation. What does it look like? I don't know that, Pastor, you should have started with that whole crazy camel hair, locust and honey thing. That sounds so otherworldly. My friends that don't go to church, my family members that don't go to church, they already think I'm a weirdo, and now I'm wearing camel hair and eating bugs? I mean, this couldn't get any worse. What's, what's going on here? All right, let's, just, let's just get into the mind of, of John the Baptist for just a moment. Again, talking about an Old Testament prophet, so, so thousands of years before John, was a guy named Elijah. We talked about him earlier in the year for a number of weeks. Elijah was a prophet, and he really wanted to stand out, be different, and, and really live as simply as possible. So this was kind of his shtick, kind of, kind of his thing. He wore these clothes. He ate this food. So John is emulating his spiritual hero. Now, I don't know if that would be your spiritual hero or your style or the way you would do it, but this was definitely his way. The principle is not bad. The principle is actually excellent. To find a guy or a gal in your life, you say, you know what, uh, uh, they're hitting on all cylinders. They, they're getting this spiritual thing. They're living a life of preparation. They're, they're making paths straight for their neighbors and their friends, even their own life. I want to, I want to in a sense, be like him or be like her. And you, you emulate one of these guys. And in fact, Pastor Chuck, he is, he is one of those guys. If you haven't gotten to know Pastor Chuck, his awesome wife, Nivia, now is the time. He gets the idea. The Bible talks about what leaders and pastors are supposed to do. Y'all, y'all put in your tithes and your offerings, and that pays our salary, and we go out and do all the ministry. Is that how it works? Yeah, right? Uh, that's what most folks think, because that's kind of how it's written in church culture. But the Bible has a very different picture. The Bible says the pastor, the leaders, the elders of the church, they are to equip the saints. That's pretty cool. You get to be called a saint. When was the last time you call, anyone called you a saint? Hit your wife and say, see, the pastor said I'm a saint. I don't care what you say. So, so you are a saint. The pastors are to equip the saints for the ministry. Pastor Chuck gets that. Be careful. He's coming. <laughs> he wants to involve you. And, and John the Baptist, he got that. So he followed his, 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 his mentor, even his hero. But also, I, want, I believe this whole thing with the clothing and, and the food, it had a much deeper meaning for him. I think it was about reminding himself and even others that it wasn't about him. 
he, maybe he knew something about himself that, that his tendency would, would tend towards worrying about, thinking about, pleasing himself, doing what he wanted to do. So he put some things in place in his life that would be like, like parameters, it would be reminders, tools for him to remind him, it's not about me. 35,000 decisions a day. That's what scientists tell us. You and I, we make about 35,000 decisions a day. 2,000 of those have to do with food. Some of us might be a little over the average, but whatever. So the vast majority, close to 30,000 of those decisions are about me. What I want, what I don't want, what I'm planning, what I'm not planning, what I want to be a part of, what I don't want to, all about me. It is so difficult for us humans to not think about ourselves. It is almost impossible for us to stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about others first. God understands that. John the Baptist understood that. I, I am sure that he did not think camel hair was comfortable. I am sure that he did not like the taste of locusts and honey. Well, at least not at first, maybe with time. Who knows? People are crazy. I am sure he not did not choose to live out in the wilderness, far away from family and friends and the comforts of home. I am sure this was not a comfort situation for him. He did not choose it for any of those reasons. But he put some, some things in place that remind him every single day, David, John, Mitchell, it's not about me. Maybe, uh, maybe you might try a few of these out. Maybe, maybe this year at Christmas you might, um, you might, I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but I mean, maybe, maybe this year you might choose to buy a couple fewer presents for yourself or for your family than you normally would. And you might take that money and you might, you might give it away to, to someone you don't even know. You might, you might give it away to, to, well, the Lottie Moon, Charlotte Moon Christmas offering for ministry, for missions. Or, or, or to the children's home, the, the One More Child children's home that we support. You might give it anywhere. Or, or maybe this year at Christmas, whether you celebrate on the 24th or the 25th, you might set out a few extra chairs at your table. You may know a friend or a family member, or, or you may know a, a neighbor. You may know someone here in church that doesn't have anywhere to go, and I know it's inconvenient, and I know, you know the food's just right, and it's going to change the whole dynamics of the conversation. I get it. It's inconvenient. John would say, it's not about you. You might say, you know, when I hear those, those familiar bells that I'm passing uh, as I'm going into Publix or going to Walmart, those, those Salvation Army bells, uh, in fact... Did you know that this year our youth are going to be a part of that? Is it this week and next? This week, this week, they'll be a part of it. Yes, way to go, youth group. First of all, they're sitting down front, and they're, they're a part of that. You may, choose, you may choose to throw some money in there, but you might choose to keep a little bit, maybe a 20 in your pocket, and the next time you see a guy or a gal that clearly could use a meal, instead of just slipping them a 20 or, or, or a gift card, you might say, hey, buddy, you want to get a burger? You might take a whole half hour and sit down and eat a burger with the guy or with the gal. And these are crazy things. There's no way it's going to fit in your schedule. It's inconvenient. Some of them even smell bad. But it's not about you. Also, uh, look at verse 5. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. So, so when all this is happening and you're living out this life of preparation, part of it is that it will eventually be 
attractive. Now, I know this goes against everything we just read. Camel hair, leather belt, locust and honey. Can you imagine the breath on this guy? It, it was the most repulsive thing you can think of. And yet, and yet, it was actually attractive. People were leaving the cities, the comforts of home, just to go be near this guy. He had something that they didn't. Not outwardly. They had way more than he had outwardly, but something in his heart drew them to himself. This will eventually be true of you. Here's a problem. Many Christians, again, not here, of course, I'm talking about other Christians, they struggle with the idea that to be a really good Christian, you need to pull further and further and further away from the world. You, you want, ideally, to be a really good Christian, you want to live only in that Christian bubble, only listening to Christian music, only watching Christian movies, only reading Christian books, only talking to Christian folks. That's how you're a really good Christian. God is pointing the exact opposite. God wants to send us out as salt into the world. And, and the more we do that, the more we will draw people to ourselves because they will see who is in us, not what is in us, but who. And of course, that is Jesus Christ. They will see him in us. And then finally, number four, look, uh, we'll see a change. We will see a life change. Verse six says it this way. They came confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So, so not only were they attracted to John and they wanted to be around him, wanted to be a part of him, wanted to understand what he had in his heart, but they also, they also wanted to be him. And they started changing their life, repenting of their sins, confessing their sins, uh, turning away from their old life, even being baptized and going public with their new faith, much like we do here many, many times a year. That was happening. You might say, well, I'm, I'm, Pastor, I'm, I'm just not that kind of a person. You're talking about talking to people about Jesus and, and sharing the gospel publicly and, and audibly and clearly. That's, you know, I'm not like Linda. Remember last week we talked about Linda. Let me talk about Linda for a second. Many of you know that Linda and Mo were married for over 40 years. Last week we prayed diligently and fervently for one thing, that God would bless Mo with a pain-free and smooth transition to heaven. Friday afternoon, God answered that prayer. As smoothly, as quietly, as calmly as I personally have experienced. I tell you, the worship service, as good as what we're experiencing here, the worship service Mo is experiencing right now in heaven is undescribable. He can't wait for Linda to get there and show her all. The, you, you, you know what Mo's doing in, in the heaven in the pearly gates? He is a greeter at the door, and, and he never met a stranger. He, Jesus is like, come on, Mo, we got to start the service. Sit down. Because Mo is just so loving, and as loving as he, is, he, as he was here, God has amplified his spirit there, and so he is sharing that love with those he comes in contact with. So we want to pray for Linda. But you remember what I said about Linda? In the midst of that whole thing that Linda, that Mo was going through, and in the hospital, in the rehab, back to the hospital, and, and Linda's having to crawl into bed and turn him over because the nurse's couldn't really do it quite right. So little bitty Linda's, I, I saw her with my own eyes. She's in the bed, turning over big old Mo, screaming over her shoulder to Mo's roommate. And I won't tell you his name. I'll let him tell his own story. I believe he's coming soon. Telling him the gospel of Jesus Christ. It worked. The night before Mo left that rehab center to come home uh, into Hope Hospice Care, uh, his roommate accepted Jesus Christ. Now he's your brother and my brother. He will be with Mo one day in heaven. And you might say, I'm not a Linda. 
you know, on my best day, I couldn't do it even without the whole turning mo over in bed thing. That's just not me, pastor. How can I do that? It's not you. It's Jesus in you. If you will sign up for the ministry of preparation, sorry, I don't mean like there's a, an actual ministry, you got to sign your name, but you say yes to Jesus, he will use you for that. There comes a time in our lives as believers, we have to be honest with ourselves, say this is what God has called me to do. God promised that one day I will be a part of someone coming to know him, spending all eternity in heaven. I want to be a part of that. If you are not doing that, if you've never experienced that, you need to pray diligently that that would happen. To close out this morning, I'm going to give you a little help in how to do that. Many, maybe even all of you received one of those beautiful wooden ornaments when you came in. If not, I think Joe is going to help hand some out. If, if you didn't receive one of those beautiful handmade wooden ornaments, our very own Mr. Al made every single one by hand. If you did not receive one, just stick your hand up. Joanne or, or Jimmy, they'll bring you one. And when you have that, if you also got a pen, like I hope you did, I want you to write the name of your one. Now, if you're new here, you don't know what that means. We've been praying all year long for our one. Each one of us has been praying for one person, at least, at least one person in our friend circle, our family, uh, maybe guys that we work with, one person that we want to pray for, that we want to invite, that we want to bring to Jesus, even bring to church before the year is over. So write the name, just first name. <laughs> We're not going to contact your person, don't worry. Uh, nothing embarrassing, I promise. But write his or her first name on that, on that ornament, okay? When you've gotten that finished, I think we've handed them all out, good. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to hear a little bit of music. We're all going to stand. And, uh, and when you're ready, uh, this tree has been purposely undecorated. We're going to decorate this tree with your ones. So you're just going to kind of slowly, well, maybe not too slowly, <laughs> carefully, carefully make your way to the tree, hang your one on there. We're not going to read the names. No one's going to embarrass them. No one's going to embarrass you. But this is a commitment between you and God that you will continue praying for that one. During the week, different folks will be coming by church and just praying over all of those names. That between now and the end of the year, you would have the opportunity to invite, to share the gospel with, or to bring your one. Are you ready? Let me pray. And when I'm through praying, we're all going to stand up. And Rod, if you just play a little bit of music, that'll give us an opportunity to do just that. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the, uh, the whole theme of preparation that we read all throughout your word, but especially in the Advent season, that John the Baptist story, the great preparer of the way. What a hero and role model he is to us. God, I don't know if all of us are John the Baptists, but I do know that we all have the same calling. So God, I pray that you would empower us with the gifts and the personality traits that each one of us has, the, the introverts and the extroverts. God, that each one of us would have that opportunity this year, before the end of the year, to bring, tell, invite our one to you and to church. God, strengthen us, encourage us, embolden us to take this step of commitment to hang that on the tree as a shine that, yes, Father, we are in. I'm part of that ministry of preparation. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. 
Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.